This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So. I don't even care about this anymore. <laughs> I love that attitude for selling our podcast, which is what you're doing right now, by begging everyone to rate and review a show that I don't even care about anymore. You shouldn't even listen. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. All right. Please, please, Megan. Please. You, you are the one who eggs me on. This is this is the problem. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Montessori Moms in the Wild. We are three trained Montessori guides and new moms. We are not here to be your guide per se, but simply to share, commiserate, and even inspire each other on this wild journey. Each episode, we will discuss a different element of the Montessori philosophy, explaining why it is one we find so important and interesting, and then take turns being blatantly honest about how we succeed and struggle with these practices in real life. There is no Montessori album for parenthood, and we are certainly in no shape to write one. Our hopes are that together we can remind ourselves of what is important to us as Montessorians and as mothers in a way that might help other parents, or at least entertain them. So sit back and relax as we take Montessori out of the textbooks and into the wild. Welcome, everyone. My name is Laura. I'm a mother of one, soon to be mother of two, with my Montessori training in lower and upper elementary, which is ages six through 12. I am here with Rachel, mother of two, with her Montessori training in infant toddler, so that's birth through three years old, and Megan, mother of two, with her training in lower elementary, ages six to nine, and she is currently working on her primary training, which is ages three to six. So, ladies, as I just said, I feel like we haven't done this in forever, so let's start by catching up. What's up, guys? It's been a long time. It's been a long time for me. Oh, yeah. I haven't recorded since I've gone back to work. Welcome back. Yeah. Yeah, because I skipped out on the last one. It was like my first day back to work or something. Um, I'm good. I'm just tired. It's hard working full time, going back. Just It was such a good routine we had, picking my son up half day, and it's just... It's just exhausting, but we're making it. And we just had Thanksgiving break and we had a whole week off and I got to go home to my parents' house and sit on their couch while my mom helped a lot, which was super nice and really gave me that mental health break I think I needed. So that was good. And we only have like two weeks till we go to Disney World. Oh, that's right. I thought you were going to say till the next break, which is exciting enough, <laughs> well, but, you're, but you're traveling to Disney on that break. Oh my goodness. Yep. With my parents, thankfully. So, and my sister and her husband. So we have lots of hands to help. Yeah. That's what's going to make it actually feel like a vacation. Otherwise you're just parenting somewhere else. I can't even imagine how tired you must be like it makes me tired thinking about how tired you must be having a baby who wakes up in the night having a toddler and then going into work and taking care of 
a bunch of toddlers and then coming home with a baby and a toddler. Yep. And yeah, so just... It's a hard stage. I'll say that. Yeah. It's really hard. I think what's really wearing on me now is my toddler being the same age as... I deal with the same thing all day. Yeah. And I come home to a baby who literally has slept none, who just wants to nurse and like everybody needs me and I don't want to be touched because I've been touched all day. Yeah. You know, it's just a lot. I'm still getting used to it and figuring it out, but... It's definitely exhausting. Yeah. Well, I don't even know how to help you there. (laughs) (laughs) You're a superwoman. Yeah. I will survive. (laughs) Yeah. Well, as you said, it was the holiday weekend for Thanksgiving, and Mm -hmm. we made the stupid decision to drive to New Jersey from our home for Thanksgiving, which is about an eight and a half hour drive, I'd say, without stopping, without traffic. And um, it was the worst decision I've ever made in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what we're thinking. We're like, oh, we'll just go see family. It's a quick trip to Jersey with two toddlers. What What were we thinking? It was not enjoyable at all. (laughs) I mean, of course, it's so nice to see family. But what I didn't really think about is... You know, when you have two toddlers, because this is my first Thanksgiving with two toddlers. Last year, I had a baby and a toddler. Sure. So when you have Thanksgiving with two toddlers, so that's two little people who don't sit to eat ever. Mm -hmm. Two people who don't like to get out of their routine. Two people who don't like to sit in cars for long periods of time. Two people who don't like to hang out with new people who they've never met before. Like all of it. Mm. They did not like it. <laughs> Every single aspect of traveling <laughs> for the holidays. It all sucked. <laughs> And we, we were going to see distant family, so not our parents or anything like that, like people that we see all the time. It was like aunts and uncles and cousins and stuff. And while I'm so happy we got to see them and they got to meet the kids for the first time, it was really hard. And I feel like I'm still emotionally and physically and spiritually recovering from that trip. Yeah. One fun anecdote is that on the way home, we decided that we were going to stop in Washington, D.C. because the traffic's horrible. And we're like, we'll stop there and we'll stay with some friends and then we'll drive the rest of the way, which sounded like a good idea before all of this. And so we stop in Washington, D.C. and we get out. And we're like, this will be great. Like, we'll go to the monuments. The kids can run around because they've been in the car. We'll like let them run around the parks. We'll have like a little picnic. They can run up and down the stairs at the Lincoln Memorial. Sounds great. <laughs> It was not great. (laughs) So my, what is he, 20 months now is throwing some big 20-month-old tantrums and on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial decided he was done. Like he was done with his whole entire trip. He didn't want to be here anymore. He hated everybody. (laughs) And he threw the biggest tantrum he's ever thrown, like the good patriot he is, on the steps of the Lincoln (laughs) Memorial with just like 300 people around and I could not get him to calm down. And so I just had to like fling him over my shoulder as he's kicking and screaming and walk him a mile back to our car. And I'm like sweating. My daughter's crying because everybody else is upset. And like, it was just, it's going to be a good memory. But for now, it was just incredibly traumatizing for us all. And so instead of staying with our friends, we're like, we have to go home. Like, we're just, everyone's done. So we drove home, took us 12 hours, but we did it. And I am here to tell the tale. I survived. Wow. Now, what else happened, Laura, while Megan was gone? Oh my God. <laughs> 
We cannot forget about that moment in our life. I'm going to save it for confessions. I'm going to save okay. it for confessions. Okay. Well, that's a nice little teaser. Stick around. Da, da, da. I really want to unpack the entire roller coaster that yeah. I rode. During Megan's trip to see family for a holiday. I totally forgot that you have probably not emotionally recovered. (laughs) I'm still traumatized. (laughs) And Megan is not allowed to travel ever again. We'll just leave it there for now. Oh my gosh. I forgot about like my, because I haven't really traveled in a while. And we haven't talked about my traveling mishaps in a while. Yeah. So... I'm happy to be back. (laughs) Hang on for more friends. Here for the content. (laughs) Your dedication to this podcast by having just the worst travel experiences ever (laughs) will not go unappreciated. And yet I keep going and I just have so much confidence. (laughs) Just blindly (laughs) into the night she goes. (laughs) Okay. Um, All right. I'm not entirely sure what I want to share about the last like god I feel like several weeks really since we have done a Sharon but well if you've listened to my other podcast you already know this entire story and I know you guys for a fact already know this entire story but I will just quickly say that I officially have joined the ranks of Montessori moms in the wild whose child has transitioned into a floor bed mm-hmm. so that was like a big one mm-hmm. that was a big one for us that's a big one yeah and other than that guys I just feel like I am just getting excessively heavier every day of my life. This child is going to be gargantuan, I think. I feel <laughs> I've been wanting so to big. ask you, like, how are you feeling? How is your body? Like, are you having any <laughs> weird symptoms? I do have some discomforts that are pretty classic of pregnancy. Like, did either of you get pubic symphysis pain? That, yeah. like, right in the front of your pelvic girdle? I did hardcore. Mm-mm. It's a pretty common pelvic discomfort that I got much faster with this pregnancy than I did with my first one. I didn't want to say that I haven't because you'll yell at me like you did (laughs) with the pre-shave that (laughs) I say, no, I've never felt pain before. (laughs) If you went so far as to then tell me you've never felt pain before, then yes, that would be just like the pre-shave where you literally were like, I don't even know what body hair is. So basically... Shut up, Megan. Is what I'm saying. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, that and a little bit of I've had some real tight glutes the last couple of days, which mm. kind of just like feed into everything in your posterior chain, right? So yeah. that's kind of a pain. But otherwise, overall, I do feel really well. I'm back to my mama safe at workouts. I've done them since basically my positive test at six weeks. Good you. Good job. I'm working out. I do yoga. All this stuff, right? So that's really great. But I just feel like oh my God, is this going so much faster, right? And you both know this now. With your second pregnancy, it's not just like you and your pregnant belly and the experience. You're chasing something around all the freaking time and all of a sudden you look up and you're 25 weeks pregnant. And you're like, "Um." Yeah, you're like not checking the app anymore. Like people are like, how many weeks are you? You're like, I I I don't even remember. Or 28, one of those two. Yeah. yeah, with your first pregnancy, you know how many weeks, how many days, how many hours pregnant you are. Mm-hmm. You know what fruit it is. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I didn't even re-log into all those apps. I was <laughs> like, you know what? I get it. He's there very much. I feel him, which is, has been really fun, actually. He's definitely super active, and I feel him all the time now, which is really, really cool. And yeah, it's just 
it's really cool. I'm really, I'm very grateful. I always feel the need to make sure that I say that, but it is just going so fast and it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I'm so excited. We get to meet the little baby soon. All right. Hop Should on we in? get into Let's it? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So we are now officially in December, which when did that happen? The holiday season is officially upon us. And I don't know about you, but this time of year can be so overwhelming between the special events, visit with friends and family, and of course, all of the pressure to find the perfect gift. This time of year can be a lot. So today we want to talk a little bit about our approach to the holiday season as Montessori families. If you follow our Instagram, you might have seen our ultimate Montessori gift guide. And though that is a quick, easy to digest infographic for remembering what's really important during the holiday season, we felt it could definitely be unpacked a little bit more in detail here. We actually wanted to talk about it a lot more. And Laura was like, wait, let's, let's save it for the pod. So here we are. So we're going to talk about each thing that we talked about and kind of dive into it a little bit more and also kind of bring up some things that just all of you have asked us or started kind of conversations about. So let's start with the first one. Do we want to just like take turns reading them? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that works. Okay. So Rachel, do you want to go first? I can. So our first one, include them in holiday preparations. The holiday season can get busy. When you can, find time to include them in the holiday preparations and time with the family. So that may be decorating, making crafts, baking, maybe collecting items for your tree or holiday decorations. Really, it's going to depend on your family. You have traditions yourself. So just really involving your children in that, finding a way to make it meaningful for them to incorporate them. So what are some activities that are appropriate for children to help with? It can vary by age, of course, so babies can just watch. Maybe you hand them some decor that is safe for them to explore with their senses. I know I had like a glitter ball ornament I gave to Sylvie Banks just for her to hold, and literally she was covered in glitter, but she (laughs) held it there and like played. But She was so happy, (laughs) She was so happy, and she was watching us decorate the tree at that point. Oh, and they love the lights. Oh, Oh, yeah, everything lights. The lights, Mm -hmm. yes. I have like a, it almost looks like a nesting doll. It's like a wooden angel, and it has a bell inside of it. And you can, it's something you can shake and like be somewhat rough with and it won't break. So I remember handing that to my now toddler, but at the time her first Christmas, all of our first kids, first Christmases, they were almost one. So they were like big enough to be mobile and want to be in the middle of everything, but not really able to like handle decorating the tree with you. You know, if they took the lights, they're going to put them in their mouths. Yeah. There's tons of stuff they can't touch when they're that little, but It's fun if you can find something, a stocking, an empty stocking, something that they can just interact with because you know they're going to put it in their mouths. You know, like it's easy to look around your house at holiday decorations and think of all the things that like are not safe for them, but there's got to be something they can interact with, right? Yeah, stocking, that's a good idea. Yeah. And I feel like for me, a big part of this season, and I know that this is not the thing for everybody, um, but for my kids specifically, just what we talked about, how hard this season can be for really young ones. It's okay to kind of pare it back. Yeah. If your kids are really easily overstimulated or change is really hard for them, which we've talked about, they're in a sensitive period for. 
So if you have younger children, they're probably going to get a little bit overwhelmed if you're changing up the house all of a sudden. So maybe think about what's important to you and maybe if you need to change everything because you might think it's this really exciting time of like, oh, we're going to put up a tree. We're going to put up all of our snow globes and our stockings and the garland and the lights. And then your kid is like freaking out Mm -hmm. and they're having a really hard time and you're like, what's going on? This is supposed to be fun and exciting and beautiful. Their whole house just changed. Yeah. I just want to say that they're definitely in this stage where order and routine and consistency is really, really important to them. And if you change everything up, they might not react the way that you're hoping that they would. And with just that in mind for my specific situation and my specific children is that we probably won't be putting up a lot of decorations, probably just a couple fun things, things that are important maybe to me, things that I know that they'll enjoy and maybe keeping it pretty minimal as far as decorations go. Yeah. I think that that's completely okay to give yourself the permission to not deck the halls every year. And some of the years where it just isn't in the best interest of everyone in the family, even if your kids doesn't seem overwhelmed, but again, it's a bunch of stuff that you don't want them to touch or interact with. Yeah, if you're going to spend the whole time being like, no, 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 no. Redirecting, yeah, then that's not enjoyable for anybody. Exactly. If you're going to spend the whole season stressed out that you have all these nice things up that your kid can't interact with, then like do yourself the favor and give yourself a pass. So we all celebrate Christmas. So that's kind of where the examples and scenarios that we're coming up with are coming from. That's true. That's a good point. That's very true. But there is also Hanukkah, there's Kwanzaa, there are people who celebrate a solstice and not really any kind of religious thing. So basically, however this might apply to how you celebrate your holiday season, just try to take sort of the the fundamental part of just being aware of what's really appropriate for your kid and your family right now and giving yourself some grace and courtesy to just be okay with that. Yeah. Maybe having it have to look a little different this year. Yeah. And I think that's going to be really the theme of this episode is just because everyone else is doing it. Doesn't mean you have to. Does not mean that you have to do it. And I'm saying that to myself because it's so easy to see all of these beautiful, perfect homes that smell like gingerbread and have the beautiful 10 foot tree and think, Am I not providing a special enough holiday season? You know, I only get a certain amount of Christmases where they're here in my home. And am I not, you know, making it magical and beautiful? Like I want them to remember this time of their childhood. But something we talk about a lot is meeting them where they are in their developmental phases. And for us, where they are, the most beautiful thing I can give them is consistency and order and not changing things up on them super fast. And, you know, maybe I add one thing every couple days and see how it goes. It doesn't need to be this full home transformation to make it a magical Christmas or whatever you're celebrating. That's kind of what we did. My husband brought everything down from the attic and I didn't even mean for it to happen, but like the boxes just sat there and then we like slowly got things out. And I think he was more excited then because he was like, oh, what's in this box? And can we put it here? So some of the stuff that I normally would put in another place is not in the place it normally goes because he placed it there and that's fine. That's exactly what we're talking about right now, right? Yes. He got to be involved in the process. So I think that's another thing that I even catch myself doing is like waiting for nap time or bedtime to do a thing like set up the tree and put out things because you know, they're just going to be in the way and it's going to be blah, blah, blah. Exactly. 
But then like Megan's saying, sometimes that's like an unwelcome surprise that your entire environment was just switched up. So Rachel, to your point, he got to see that, oh, there are boxes filled with things. What are what are in the boxes? And it was a very slow transition that he was involved with. And so he watched daddy put up the trees. And, and- as your kids get older, it probably will be less of an issue to deck the halls, as I keep saying, because I think that's a really clever holiday. <laughs> it's pun. clever. Also, when do you actually get to use that expression out? outside of the song never so never. you're all welcome um <laughs> toddlers can help with you know the, some of the non-breakable things and we've also talked a lot of times about how if you have given your child the opportunity to touch glass and use fragile things that you might even be surprised that they can help with those things you know if, they, mm-hmm. if they've had the experience leading up to this season definitely they could help with some of that Older kids can help with more. At the very least, everybody should be helping with the cooking and cleaning, as we say, about every single day, yeah. you know, as much as is possible. Again, we we all have been there. We all know sometimes it's just easier to just do it yourself. But there's so much pomp and circumstance around the special meals of the holiday season that I think if you can involve your children in that. They can wash some vegetables. They can mash some potatoes. They They can do a lot more than we think that they can do. So I think that's really great advice is one, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You know, it can be somewhere in between. And then we're also saying if if you're like, hey, it's Christmas, it's whatever holiday I celebrate, I'm going to decorate, I'm going to make my house home me and feel nice for everybody, then involving them so that it's not such a change. Like you were saying, Laura, that you want to do it during nap time sometimes. And I always try to think about if I were to take a nap and wake up. <laughs> and my whole house looked different. Right? And wake up and my house looks entirely different and I don't know why or who did it. Oh my God, how jarring would that be? I'm not going to feel safe. Or I always think about that too with, you know, when when people are over for the holidays or just anytime really and your kid wakes up from a nap and you like bring them out (laughs) and I always think about what if I woke up at like 7 a.m and I walked and there was just like a room full of people that I didn't know were gonna be there like you stumble out of your room all blurry eyed and they're like hi and they're staring at me you look so cute I'd be like what one who are you and why are you here? So I always try to kind of put myself in that situation too. So the more we involve them, the less overwhelming it could be for them. So I think that those are all great tips. That's such good advice, a good perspective. Well, and you know what? That perspective right there leads us perfectly into the second slide in our little infographic, which was to respect their boundaries putting yourself in their shoes is a great way to understand what that might look like. It looks different for every child, right? So it might mean that you are going home early or maybe even like skipping entirely out on an event that's supposed to be happening at this time because somebody needs a nap or like Megan is saying, you have a sensitive and easily overwhelmed child or children, plural, And you know that this thing is going to be loud, it's going to be busy, it's going to be just so out of their comfort zone. There will be more holidays and is forcing everyone through an outing that's going to end in tears and meltdowns really worth it? You know, like those are questions that it's okay to ask yourself. It's okay to be honest about that. It's okay to be honest with other adults about why a certain event this year maybe isn't the best for your family or for your little ones. And 
I guess I just want to say if anybody else out there needs to hear that as much as it's helpful for me to hear it, yeah. Yeah. that you can put your foot down and you can know I am respecting their boundaries by saying no to some of the things that, again, some of the pomp and circumstance that comes with this time of year for a lot of us. So hard. I mean, and people are family. You're probably going to hear slack from them, like comments that may make you like second guess your thoughts or whatever I have personally, but I stand strong. I've stood strong. and. It benefited my children and my family way more than staying that extra little bit of time just to please whoever it is to please. Like I always go back. It's what's best for my kids, not what's best for everybody else. Mm -hmm. So I need them to be okay and succeed and I need to meet their needs. And if it's not what's best for them, then sorry, but we're out. And yeah, it's just the stage of life we're in right now. Yeah, which is exactly what happened on our trip when, you know, we were supposed to stay at friend's house, which is a friend I haven't seen in a very long time. And I was so excited to see her and her kids and her husband. And I was so upset to think about not going. But kind of the question I had to ask myself is, is this in the best interest of us all? And the answer ended up being no. And like, it's okay to do things because they're good for you. Like we have to do things as parents that fill up our cup as well. But in that instance, it was not what's best for all of us. And it's definitely not what's best for my kid. He's he's telling me and he's showing me that he's he's just overwhelmed. He's overstimulated. We have overstayed our welcome and it's time to go. And that's not always an easy thing. And I was so nervous to tell her. So I was like, you know, he's screaming in the car and I'm texting her and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I think that we are just going to go home and I'm not going to be able to see you. And she was like, oh my gosh, we've totally been there. They have twins. She was like, we've totally been there. Oh God. Go yeah. home. <laughs> it's fine. And so as Rachel said, you might get some pushback, but also a lot of times people do understand, like we've all been there and hopefully you're met with some empathy and compassion. But if not, you do kind of have to stand firm in what's best for your family and what's best for your kids and what's best for you and what's best for everybody. For sure. And we're going to circle back to that idea of standing firm. Yeah. But I did make a note that if you ultimately do feel like skipping out just is not an option for you, then I guess my best tip is to just plan, right? Plan as well as you can in advance. So when and where can I still offer something that feels like a nap. If you have a napping child, you know, have we eaten? Is there going to be food there that this child is going to eat? You know, like just try to know going in that this could be a disruptive and unpleasant situation if you don't kind of account for, you know, like maybe you're going to need to pack some extra snacks that you know that they'll like. Maybe you're going to need to step away for a couple of minutes and try to I don't know, have some quiet time. Because I can imagine a lot of people are listening and they're like, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand. Like it's yeah. it's not an option for me, right? And I, I do get that. I empathize with that. So just trying to prepare to meet your kids' needs and try to stay as consistent with whatever their usual routine is as you can in that situation. And then the other part that we feel like is really, really important to remember about respecting their boundaries is also the idea of respecting their personal space as their tiny little human bodies, you know, like allowing them to decide if they are or are not comfortable hugging or kissing a relative goodbye, which is a huge part of what you get. You know, the mm-hmm. the classic scenario of a holiday gathering is very intimate, very personal, very physical. 
And there's a big expectation, especially in the holidays. A lot of times you're seeing people you haven't seen for a long time, like in Megan's example, right? Like adults want to walk in and scoop you up and smother you all over with kisses and hugs. And of course, I understand that. But there are children, there are adults, let alone children, that are not comfortable with that physically, especially if they haven't seen you for a long time and you're not registering as a safe person for them. Mm -hmm. And that's got to be respected. And I think that a lot of times people kind of panic at the idea, well, if my kid doesn't kiss or hug uncle so-and-so, then we're being disrespectful. Yeah, He's disrespectful. I'm allowing this as a parent. Like, There's a lot of pressure, right? That that's a respectful thing to do. There are other respectful ways to say goodbye. Like if you if you just peace out, say nothing, turn your head and walk out of a room, that's kind of a rude way to leave a situation. <laughs> but you could offer the choice to wave goodbye, give a high five, give a handshake, blow a kiss, something where they still have some physical distance between themselves and this person that they're maybe not wanting to touch right now. There's just so many other ways out of those situations. And I think it's important to mention that at this time of year. Yeah. yeah. And it, they still might not want to. So we just had this situation we're in with a bunch of aunts and uncles and cousins. And the response from both of my kids was they were uncomfortable. They didn't know these people and they were acting like they knew them so well. And, and I'm sure that that's kind of jarring for them. And, you know, when they're give me a kiss, give me a hug. And then like, they just kind of put their shoulder over and like bury their face into my shoulder. It then becomes my job to protect them. And I've talked about this before, about maybe before going into that situation, thinking about some things that you might want to say or things that you might want to have in your pocket. We're going to respect his space or she doesn't feel like it right now. And just kind of little one-liners that are to the point and standing firm and protecting their boundaries and their space. And this is something that I really struggle with is saying no to people. And it's yeah. a really important skill, not just in body safety, but also just in life of being able to tell people, I'm not comfortable with that, which I am awful at. Yeah. So something I'm really trying to teach my children is to be able to stand firm in, I'm not comfortable with that. And saying that for them is the best way that I can model that as they don't have the language right now is to say they're not comfortable with that and really standing strong in that. So there are a lot of reasons why I feel like this is really important. So that's my biggest tip is to just have a couple things in your pocket that you might want to say and prepare for. And even if you kind of know that your family maybe is going to be a little bit pushy, you can contact them ahead of time and say, hey, I just wanted you to know my kids might be a little bit overstimulated by this event. They're very young. Like our kids grew up in COVID time. Like this, these are kind of our first big outings. There's a lot of sicknesses going around right now. If you could give us a little space, I think that would help us to have a better and more smooth experience. And we appreciate you respecting our our wants and our feelings about this. So that could also be something too. If you're really concerned about it, you can kind of maybe preemptively and nip that in the bud. Yeah, we just experienced this too. And with my daughter, obviously she's six months and like RSV and flu and everything right now. So I baby wore her preemptively knowing nobody else can touch her when she's literally on me. And that was super helpful for me with her at such a young age. And then my toddler clearly is like, no, I'm not giving you a hug or a kiss. And he was very confident in saying it himself. I would say last year, 
he definitely looked for me to do that. But now he was like, no. And they kept asking. And then I was like, yeah, he's saying no. So we're going to listen to his voice. I think that's exactly what I said. And it was just that. And we walked away and we were like, bye, thanks, you know, whatever. And I didn't get any lip from that. I mean, it was just, you know, we made that decision. He made that decision loud and clear. And yeah, because I don't think people are meaning to be disrespectful. No, like, not just, at all. Yeah. Not at you all. know, they're trying to show that they love your child. So like, I'm trying not to be like necessarily rude, but I do think like when you say that we're going to listen to his voice, I'm sure most people are like, oh yeah, well that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, we should and- do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I will say, I feel like, so kind of a subcategory of this is just the whole concept of like seeing non-Montessori family members and friends. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be of the Montessori philosophy, but just families and friends that you know have a very different philosophy and approach and view and who would see your kid as being rude. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are listeners who are out there that are like, you don't know my family, you know, or like, you don't know the friends I'm dealing, whatever it is. And this is where standing firm in your decision for how you are parenting your family is going to come back around because I am so confident in my choice to raise my child this way that I have had a lot less static than I think I anticipated because I think when people see her and they see us with her and they just hear how it is naturally going and one of the tips you're giving right now basically is narrating right for the toddler's benefit, but also for the sake of the adults in the room who don't see it the same way that you're seeing it, narrating what you're seeing has been super helpful for me. I feel like people just kind of like they pick it up, they get like, oh, okay, yeah, this is how they're doing that. And you know what, it seems to be working. I have a toddler who's not a complete menace, like they expect toddlers to be. And then sometimes when she is, the way that I deescalate it is just so foreign from what they would have experienced. You know, I feel like when people see it in action is what I'm trying to say. They're like, okay, yeah, I'm not really going to question that or push back on that. Because it works. Right, right, right. And maybe that hasn't been everyone's experience. But the tips that you're giving, Megan, are great if that hasn't been your experience and you're convinced it won't be because basically what you're saying first and foremost is prepare, prepare yourself Mm -hmm. and prepare your kid. Even you can say like, Hey, we're going to so-and-so's house. There are going to be a lot of people there. There are going to be new people there. So it's just that, that prep. We always talk about the importance of prep, right? Yeah. Planning what your words will be depending on what scenarios you think might arise so that you can react rationally and not emotionally, right? Because it's when we go to the emotional place that everything falls apart. And that's when people are like, they were rude. Mm -hmm. Right. Because the emotions come out, you go into mama bear mode or papa bear, whatever it is, right? You want to be a protector and now you're offended and your feelings are hurt and their feelings are hurt. You can prepare and have a plan in advance. You can avoid a lot of that. Another reason I think this is so important is because respecting their boundaries is laying the groundwork for the whole concept of consent. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a that's a huge thing that we're starting to talk about now more and more and more, especially if you have daughters or you're a woman. You know, the whole lack of girls and women feeling like they were allowed to have boundaries and to clearly define when they consented to something and when they didn't. Right. So this is the very basic building blocks of the concept of consent for your child. Mm-hmm. And then the last tip there being narrate, right? So if your child isn't going to participate in whatever the thing is, he's saying no, she's burying her face, whatever it is, doing that sports caster thing that Rachel talks about all the time. 
And that doesn't just have to be for a baby or a toddler. You might have a six-year-old who doesn't want to touch somebody or make eye contact. And it might be important to say, I see that you're uncomfortable with that right now. That's okay. Yeah. Say that out loud for the kid and for the adult who maybe is pushing a little bit. A little too pushy. Yeah. Yeah. So great grace and courtesy lesson that you can have beforehand. So a grace and courtesy lesson would be a lesson that you give in kind of like a role-playing way is that you can also practice this with your child as you can say, okay, let's pretend I'm going to give you a hug and you don't want one. You can go to give them a hug and you can show them what they might say. I would like some space. Please don't hug me. I'm not comfortable with that. And you can role play back and forth practicing that so that they feel a little bit more confident going into that situation. So like I said, preparing yourself is important to be able to think about what, what might I say? What's something that I can confidently and respectfully convey our boundaries? But you can also do that with your children. And now is a great time to start practicing that. And it can be fun and it can be silly, but it also can be very effective when they need to use it. I love that. Me too. Role-playing is honestly really, really great tool. It really is. Okay. That brings us to the last one from our little ultimate gift guide infographic. Megan, you want to do number three? All right. Give back. So it's easy to get caught up in the gifts and the sales. I know I have. But one of the biggest gifts we can give our children is the understanding that they have the power to make a difference in their community. So a lot of times for children, Christmas is about getting gifts. Hanukkah is about getting gifts. We obviously know that there's a lot more to this holiday season or anything that you celebrate that's really rooted in giving. So some things you can do. Some ideas that we have are to make cards. You can make cards for people in your neighborhood or for their teachers or coaches or anybody in their life that they love and respect. You can volunteer, you can donate, and that's another great way to clear out some toys before all of the toys start to come in from the holidays. So what are your thoughts on this? This is something I definitely feel really strongly about wanting to do with my child. I think we honestly probably could start this year, but for sure by next year when we're, you know, three coming up on four, I think she'll be a really perfect age to understand that like we're going to make a meal for somebody who doesn't have dinner tonight and that we're going to go through your toys that we really haven't played with in a long time. And we're going to see if we can send some to the sick babies that don't have any toys. You know, like she's so empathetic and compassionate. Children are, they really are. Mm -hmm. And I think we're afraid to talk about the sad stuff during holidays. Like we've got to keep it happy and light and fun and cheerful, but it's just really important to me that she understand how lucky we are. And sometimes one of the best ways to do that is to show them firsthand that there are so many others that don't live like us. And It's hard for a kid to comprehend that not everybody and everything is exactly the way that I know it to be. And you can start to introduce that in an appropriate way. And it can still be a fun thing that we're doing. It can be fun to make this meal and to go bring it to someone who's so happy and grateful and thankful to get it. You know, like you said, making cards. We all the time with the classrooms would make cards, not even for people that we knew and respected and loved, you know, like for strangers, we would send them up to the retirement home up the street or, 
to a shelter, you know, like someone who could really use a kind word right now and a improperly spelled <laughs> holiday greeting from a six-year-old, you know, trying his best. So, um, yeah, I just, I just feel so strongly about this one. I just really want her to understand that we don't need anything. Yeah. We have everything we need. We are so, so, so lucky. We have everything that we need. What this time should be about is taking care of people who can't say that, you know, and that's, that's what every day of our lives should be about, but especially this time. And I really feel really strongly about that personally. Me too. And I didn't even realize. So I ran to food line the other day to grab some groceries and my son went with us and we were paying. And at this time of year, food line has like, just like boxes. I think they're like, I don't know, 10, five, 10 bucks or something. It's like a box of food, right? That could be donated. So like if you pay a little extra in your grocery order, then they'll take that box and ship it off to somebody else. Yeah. So the cashier picked up the box and was like, would you like to donate? I was like, yes, absolutely, please. And my son was like, a box, a box of food. And he started asking questions. And then we had like a whole conversation of, oh, yeah, it was a box of food. But he was confused because we weren't taking it. Right. It was not for us. Yeah, it wasn't for us. So we went into the conversation. Well, somebody who's hungry and doesn't have food, we, we just helped them. You know, we helped them have a meal and fill their tummy and he came home and told daddy, we help somebody, daddy. And mm, I mean, and it, I didn't even realize that was going to happen. But that was like this simple little, oh, yeah, we, we did. They are empathetic and they are already starting to understand. So yeah, and this is such a huge part of the Montessori method, especially when it comes to elementary age children Yeah, about going out into the community about volunteering your time and your efforts and your energy. And I think that this is something that often gets overlooked in this philosophy, especially as I've been on social media. It's a lot about the wooden toys, which are the best for development and what are the perfect pickler triangle and what are the best stocking stuffers and what do I do if I don't want all of these gifts that my family is getting for my child? And all of these are great questions, but I just really want if you take nothing else from this, that that's not what this philosophy is about. Yeah. And it shouldn't be. It's not about the stuff. It's not about all of the perfect materials. And we've preached about this so many times. Yes, they're helpful. Yes, they're an important part, but they're a part. And the biggest thing is to just create people who care about other people. That's why we do this. And that's why we love this. And they can't do that if they don't have the opportunity to do that. Right. So exactly. I think that's a perfect little wrap up for why this one is so big to me, to all of us. I mean, the the backbone of Maria Montessori's work was peace education. She wanted human beings that cared about each other and understood that we're all in this together. And so it's not about accumulating the perfect gifts. It's not about having the perfect decorations. It's not about any of that surface level stuff. It is completely about taking advantage of this time to be with each other and take care of each other, period. Definitely. Period. Boom. Well, I don't think 
we have time to hit the rest I of know. these. I know. It's a shame because there's like a quick couple of things that aren't even in that infographic. Let me just see how quickly I could fly through the idea of creating traditions in your home together. That's a fun thing to do. My sub note there, again, kind of hearkening back to like what's important about this philosophy is that this is a great time to learn about your own family's traditions, especially if you have young children who are like kind of experiencing all of this for the first time. But it's also a really great time to learn about other families' traditions in an informed and respectful way. There is not one holiday happening right now. There is not one right way to celebrate it or one correct thing to believe in. And global citizenship, a huge tenet of the Montessori philosophy, is keeping this in mind and during the holiday season. So like in the classrooms, we didn't just read a Christmas story. We read about Hanukkah. We read about Kwanzaa. We read about every holiday all throughout the calendar year, right? Because it's important that you expose them to those things, again, in respectful and informative ways. Megan, you hit on gifts a lot. A big question right now is, what am I going to do with all of the stuff that I know that we're getting and that I know I want to get my own kid because we're trying to pare it down and you said keep it simple, but also even more importantly than that, what do I do with all the gifts from all the people who are going to give me things I don't even want them to have in the first place, right? Like that's a huge part of what we keep seeing right now in the holiday season. I think probably our biggest tip there is, as we always say, toy rotation, storing things, get some tubs, put things away. And donate. This could be a thing that you donate. If you really don't want it, yeah, give it away. And the thing that I always do is all of the toys that I don't want in my home goes to grandparents' houses. And then they have these fun, cool, super exciting things that are just at grandparents' houses when they come to visit. So that's worked really well for us. We don't get a ton of crazy stuff because everyone knows that I am who I am. But when we do, we either donate them, give them their, I mean, if they're brand new toys, like they can go to some children who want them and need them. So, or we give them to grandpa down the street and he has super cool light up toys that would never be allowed in our home. (laughs) Uh, I also put like light up toys I've got in the car because then it's like, oh, for like the 10 minute we're getting in the gas line, you have something fun to look at, but I would never let it come in my house. That's not a bad idea. Little hacks like that, like keep it for the novelty of it for a rainy day, but don't have it be yeah, something like that's just out ride. all the time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, actually, exactly. Rachel, you saved me, I think, on this one because you introduced to me the concept of making a list for your kid in advance. You used specifically a website called Things to Get Me, where you could link stuff from all over the place. And that has been a game changer for me because I just update that sucker and send it out before a holiday or a birthday. And anybody I know that was interested in getting her a gift can shop off of a list that I made and then they don't have to guess about what I want and guess wrong. everybody always asks and it's so much easier yeah, to have it's hard list. to know what to get a two-year-old. Right. What do I get so-and-so? And usually it's like, oh, I don't know. No, if you have a list, you can link them to it. Like go for it because that is going to save pretty much this whole issue from even being an issue. Um, And then the last one I want to hit on really quickly, and this is kind of a, you know, we have a whole episode on this, but dealing with fantasy during the holiday season, you know, a big part of the Montessori philosophy is not discouraging imagination, but is concerned about introducing too much fantasy stuff before a certain age. And I did recently have someone kind of ask how to navigate the idea that she has a young child and they've decided they're not going to 
play into the whole Santa thing. Her young child already is aware that Santa's not like a real thing and then ran off and told all the neighbor kids that, right? So like, how do you handle that? And I think my one tip there is that you want to make sure when you have that conversation or even before you have that conversation, it can be a standalone conversation to just cover the fact that everybody is entitled to their own way of believing or celebrating and that it is not going to be our job to tell them that that is wrong or not true. Or in my house, we do it this way because it's okay that they do it the way that they do it. And I think sometimes kids just need to genuinely hear that in advance because we've talked a lot about how for many, many years straight, they're going through a stage of trying to figure out the world, right? What's real? What's not real? What's a law? What's negotiable? All of that. And so sometimes you just have to really put specific parameters around how to navigate the fact that you are going to meet people who are going to tell you something that's different than what I just told you it's okay. You don't have to get into a World War III battle with them if they said Santa's real and we've decided he's not, right? Especially if you had that whole conversation of everybody gets to choose what they want to believe, but just making sure that your kid knows that, you know, even if it's just my friend celebrates Hanukkah, but I celebrate Christmas, you know, like why don't they celebrate Christmas? These are, these are crucial things to talk about in advance. Yeah. It's not just Santa. This yeah. Translates really to not. so many other bigger things. Like if you're an adult and you can respectfully say, I believe some things and people believe others and that's And okay. that's okay. That's how the world yeah. goes round. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's a, that's a big thing that we're missing right now as like an entire society. So yeah, I think that's just the one thing I want to hit on there is that I've, I've heard some concern about, okay, I, I'd want to be honest with my kid. You know, I don't want to do the whole Santa brings you gifts and is watching you all the time thing, but all of her best friends do believe that. How do I not be the mom of the kid that ruined Christmas for everyone, right? So you just, you have to have those conversations. Again, I don't want anybody to feel like I'm judging them if they do decide to do that. I get it. Like yeah, we're already I mean, struggling whole, this year with yeah. with not falling down the rabbit hole because she does yeah. know who Santa is. She points him out and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They just saw like a movie but that had Santa and like her whole face just like lit up. And I was like, oh, that's the magic. Like yeah. that's the Christmas magic. And I could totally see in that moment me being like, should we do it? Like, yeah. Yeah. Hell yes, Santa's real. <laughs> if it lights you <laughs> up like that. Buy him some cookies. Like it's not, you know, me feeling like this cold hearted person who like wants to take this magic away from my child. I mean, she finds magic in bubbles. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I exactly. don't need to do all of that. Like she's going to be so excited about every little thing. I don't, I don't have to, I really don't. So we still haven't really talked about it much because he hasn't asked, but the other day he saw, like he was watching the new Mickey Christmas special that came on and um, he was like, that's Santa, but he pretend. And I was like, oh, okay. Like we just moved on. But he was like, he's pretend mommy. And I was like, yep, great. Okay, cool. great. My job is done here. <laughs> Glad you know that. Yeah. Thanks for telling me that. <laughs> yeah. My child recognizes him and everything and she gets excited about him too. But I think she also sees him as like a Mickey Mouse thing. Like, oh, I know yeah. that character. I know that. I've seen that guy in stuff mm-hmm. before in uh-huh. books and stuff. Yeah. And we might you know, still be a little while away from her asking me, is he a real person that comes into my home? 
but that's where I'm going to avoid saying like, oh, look, Santa came the he next morning. This. Yeah. I think that that's how we're going to do it. So like when she points out Santa, I'm not like, he's not real, which yeah, I think is yeah. what people think that we're saying to do. I'm not saying to do that. I'm just like, oh yeah, it's Santa and that's yeah. it. But I'm just not going to play into it either. Exactly. And then when the time comes that she's like, hey, is that a real guy? I'll be like, no, he's he's just a character and he's pretend like like you said, like Mickey Mouse, like, you know, anybody else that we watch on shows. So yeah, I think it's a misconception that it's like, we're running around being like, it's not real. Yeah, ruining it on purpose. It's just that I'm not really starting it to begin with. But another good tip there is to also make sure that you then let people in that kid's life know that that's what you're doing. Because like, then Mimi came over after the Christmas decoration started coming out. And my child pointed out, Santa and I could see that she was about to be like what are you going to ask him for and I was like hey I just want you to know Santa is a magical fun figure that comes out at Christmas time and he reminds us that it's a time to be giving and to take care of each other because Santa gave gifts to people and took care of people but I'm not going to tell her that he's watching her and that he gives her all her gifts I'm not going to do that part okay so Santa can be a fun thing that like oh look at Santa but we're not going to do the What will Santa bring you? Or, oh, you better eat your dinner. Santa's watching. Yeah, Mm -hmm. We're not doing that in this house. And she was kind of like, okay, you know, like a little bit not sure what to do with that, but ultimately going to respect it, you know, which that just happened to us of, oh, did you know Santa's coming and he only gives presents to good little girls? Mm. And I was like, oh, gosh, I just don't like that. I just don't feel good about that. It's like, well, good thing I'm buying all the presents. I know. (laughs) And I, I, it's a stretch to even put your dad on the tag. <laughs> He's just as surprised as you when you unwrap yeah. these gifts. So Santa's not getting credit. Your dad <laughs> might not get credit either. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, Rachel, um, do you have to go? Oh, God, yeah. It's already 930. All right. Well, let's wrap right there and go just straight into confessions. Yeah, you can do yours, Rachel, and then you can hop off. Yeah. Let's lighten things up to finish out the show with a segment called Confessions from the Wild. So I don't really have one, I don't think, other than I'm still um, a little bitter at Megan for getting Taylor Swift tickets, and I don't have them. (laughs) (laughs) I was not ready for that. It's not funny, Megan. (laughs) I'm going to have to sell my house so that I can go see Taylor Swift, you guys. I know. We haven't really talked about this because I've been honestly a little bit scared. (laughs) to talk to you about this so Rachel and I are both very big T-Swift fans like huge fans huge never missed a show huge fans so we were texting back and forth on the big day of the tickets and we were in the I was in the queue for (laughs) six hours maybe six hours six hours Ticketmaster (laughs) if you're listening screw you You made us log out and look in, and then I lost my spot in the queue, and then I didn't get tickets. Mm, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, too. Ticketmaster still has to fix this. I'm, like, determined they're going to fix this, or I'm going to have to sell my house so that I can go see Taylor Swift. (laughs) One or the other is going to happen. I'll put you in my backpack. (laughs) She might be able to fit. Y'all, have you looked at StubHub, though, at all, Megan? Like, it is insane. It is just, I mean, like, there's seats on there for, like, 10K. I'm like, y'all, this is crazy. Get the hell out of here. No, I'm not even kidding. It's because Ticketmaster screwed this all up. I won't even go into detail. I've read all kinds of conspiracies about it, but I love you, Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry, Taylor. (laughs) 
I'm I'm a dedicated fan. Just know that. I tried. I know. I'm really sorry. (laughs) I got the tickets and I texted her and I was like, oh my gosh, we got tickets. How about you? And she was like, no. And I was like, oh. (laughs) Oh, We're done with this conversation. I can't talk to Rachel for several weeks. Megan's going to call me and I'm just going to listen to the whole concert on her phone. As long as she doesn't lose her phone. That can go into Laura's confession oh, now. Yeah. That could go into Laura's confession. Speaking of. I'm going to hop off though, guys. So. Okay. All right. All right. Bye. Love y'all. Bye. Love you. Good night. <laughs> oh. Way to be, Megan. You're also the star of my confession. I know. <laughs> Really, what I actually want to confess is not about like you giving me a heart attack as much as like the sickness that I have that put me in the place that I went to when this all transpired. Mm-hmm. So as we referenced in the Sharon in the beginning of the episode, Megan traveled for the holidays and Rachel and I didn't even know she was going to travel. Okay. So we were not prepared for this. I'm sorry I didn't check in with you guys first. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you didn't run your itinerary by us, but we found out when everybody else found out because we saw your story about being on hour 12 of your drive or 10, whatever it was. It was too many hours of being in a car with toddlers. We were this is double digits. Yeah. And so I messaged you in our little group chat and I'm like, where are you going? And you're like, Jersey. And I'm like, Jersey. You know, like I've I've done the drive that drive several times to Vermont specifically, but you got to go through all that. So, you know, my heart went out to you, thoughts and prayers, but then you ended up saying, you know what though, we're not even going to make it tonight. We're stopping in Maryland, I think, right? You were stopping somewhere else. Middletown, Maryland. Shout out. (laughs) USA. (laughs) Yeah. So you were calling it quits for the night and crashing. And I was like, I assume you're going to finish the drive in the morning. The next morning comes, it's Thanksgiving day, radio silence. Nothing from Megan. Okay, not that big a deal. I know they have this chunk of drive left. There were like sweet little messages like we're so grateful for <laughs> for you. Well, that's the thing is by like 2 p.m. So Rachel was also radio silent. I knew she was at her parents' house celebrating, right? So by some point in the late afternoon, I text and I'm like, hey, let me just make sure I get this, you know, this box checked and that you guys know. Because we talk every day. It's weird to not talk on the one day that you're like being grateful for the people that you love. So I message you guys. Love you guys. Grateful for you guys. Best friends of the world. And Rachel replies, Megan does not. Okay. (laughs) Not that big a deal. She's busy. They're traveling. Not a big deal. Um, I had a small like reaction to it, but not too much of one yet. Again, I'm willing to remember that there's a lot going on for her right now. However, by like... 9 a.m. Friday, it's starting to occur to me that it is a little bit weird that we haven't heard from her yet because we talk every day. So like, it's just really weird. We didn't get a picture. I share things with you all that I don't need to share. No, you need to share, obviously, because when you didn't, (laughs) I started to get a little worried. So I don't even remember the timeline of things. It must have been, I think it was Saturday that I finally- Yeah. Yeah, it was Saturday. I could not calm the voices in my head that were saying something terrible has happened. So I should explain that my father was like this my whole life. Like if I didn't answer a phone call or if he felt that too much time had passed between the last time that he had contacted me and the moment that we were in, he very well could call the police and send them to look for my body. Like he would immediately be convinced 
that something terrible had happened to me. I was dead. And I thought that that was so annoying. And I was like, dude, you have to be some kind of like dark, messed up person to just immediately assume something terrible has happened. But the older I get, the more crime shows I watch and the more I know about the world. (laughs) And here we are. Right. I'm now the same person. I immediately assume worst case scenario. So when we hadn't heard from Megan by Saturday, I was like, okay, well, they're all dead. Like that's (laughs) that's the only way. Best case scenario, they're all dead. (laughs) Like just... I have to cut that. That's terrible. No, I love it. So either much. either something happened to all of them or something happened to one of the kids and like she sees me reaching out and stuff, but like she cannot even be on her phone right now. She's got too much other stuff. Like, that's way more important. I go <laughs> it's an to an elaborate like, story you've got going on. I had a whole it was a whole thing, Megan. I went into our <laughs> Instagram account to see when the last time that you had replied to anybody, any messages, because you take on the the you know lion's share of replying to DMs and stuff. You had replied at like 8 a.m. on Thursday and that was it. Nothing after that. No posts, no shares, no nothing, <laughs> nothing on your account, Facebook or Instagram, nothing. I could find no trace of you. And I was like, oh no, this doesn't happen. It is prime sharing with the world time right now. And Megan is MIA. Something terrible has happened. I don't have your husband's number that needs to be fixed immediately. So instead, I resorted to panic texting Danielle from my other podcast, (laughs) who is the worst person to rope into this kind of anxiety, and Rachel, and was like, um, this feels off. Something feels wrong. I'm sure I'm crazy. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure she's fine. Eventually, Rachel, super sleuth, finds Megan's husband on Facebook. I didn't even know he had a Facebook. You don't tag him (laughs) in anything. You're like, happy anniversary, no tag. Here's our whole family, no tag. I just assumed he didn't have one. She finds him and messages him and he's like, lol, thank you for your concern, but she lost her phone. And by lost her phone, I mean, to be fair to her, a toddler hijacked her phone and hid it in an obscure location in this foreign family's home that they never go to. And then the battery died. So there was no way to find it. And so I was so relieved to hear she in fact had like totally pulled a Megan in terms of that being her luck and something that would happen to her. He then sent a very like nervous looking picture of you straightening your hair in a bathroom as proof of life. And I really appreciated that. But yeah, for a good couple hours there, it was touch and go. I was convinced that I needed to get in the car and go to Jersey and sweep the highways looking for you. So um, I guess in conclusion, my confession is that I have a sickness that I assume that terrible things have happened to my loved ones really, really quickly. And also nothing bad can ever happen to you because (laughs) I don't like how I felt. Okay. (laughs) That was really scary. So, you know, just take care of yourself. Well, I was saying that I now I'm thinking that I I was MIA for so long and you're the only one who was worried about (laughs) My mom didn't even get scared. <laughs> like, so honestly, I'm grateful because if I was lying in a ditch somewhere that you would send out the troops to find me. And so I I, I appreciate it because, you know, in a bad situation, I've got you <laughs> just panicked. <laughs> just absolute white knuckling. 
texting anybody I could think that might know. I texted a, a mutual friend of ours and I was like, she might have Jacob's number. She might have heard from them. So I messaged her on Instagram and she had turned her notifications off for like several hours straight. So she also didn't answer me. She's probably <laughs> with like, them and something's happened to her. Yeah, too. She's in on this somehow. So what happened was, was kind of what you were thinking was, you know, Thanksgiving day, we were just getting in. So we had to wake up in the morning and drive to a family member's house and unload all of our stuff and get the kids kind of situated for naps and everything. And so that was the first kind of like leg of the morning. So I wasn't on my phone at all. We have to then wake them up and take them to a different house for Thanksgiving, like make them look semi presentable. Mm. I have to look semi presentable. We haven't seen these family members in like a couple years. Yeah. Um, so trying to get everyone dressed, like don't get jelly on your dress. (laughs) And then we get there and we spend all day And of course, like I'm, I don't have my phone on me. I'm chasing children around. And as the day comes to an end, we're grabbing all our stuff, the diaper bag, all of the random shoes everywhere. And I was like, okay, where's my phone? Mm. So I start looking for my phone. I'm like, I mean, I've been walking and chasing a one-year-old all over this house. It could be anywhere. I don't know. Anywhere, yeah. But also, we didn't leave this house, so it's here somewhere. So (laughs) I'm walking all over looking for it. Can't find it anywhere. So Jacob's like, I'm going to put the kids in the car and get them, like, strapped up and ready to go. Because at this point, it's late. They're tired. They've been in the car for a whole day. They slept at the hotel. Like, they're tired. And he's like, I'm going to get them strapped up so that you can, like, find your phone in peace. So I walk around, I still can't find my phone. And I was like, well, forget it because they're in the car. They're going to be so upset. So I told the family members that were there. I was like, hey, if you see my phone, because we're going to see them the next day. I was like, if you see my phone, it's mine, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And so we get in the car and we go back to the family member's house that we're staying at. Then the next day, they're like messaging us. And they're like, we still can't find this phone. (laughs) I was like, where is it? I had no idea. Anyway. Someone ended up finding it in the guest bathroom vanity drawer. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, sir. You really buried that sucker. It's just like perfect eye level. And so the person who found it was like, I just thought like a toddler and just like looked at everything that was at a toddler's eye level. See, the mistake I made was I assumed it was me. I was like, I must have misplaced it because I'm me. Right. And so I blame myself. Like, where did I put it? Totally valid line of thinking. And I never once looked at their eye level, little sneaky kids. I I still don't know which one it was, but I have my suspicions. I have my suspicions. That is ironic. You're usually the one who says that you begin every scenario by getting down to their level and (laughs) viewing the world from their POV. But yeah, I could understand this one. Yeah. And just like speaking of it would happen to me and my travel adventures. So, I mean, this is like not a big deal, but it's just kind of funny. So we were in the car for 12 hours, right? And we got home around bedtime and Jacob was like, well, you know, what do you want to do when we get home? And I was like, I just want to eat something semi- nourishing and I want a margarita and he's like 
cool. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to order from the Panera app, get the kids some mac and cheese, and we'll get like, I was going to get like their little chicken broccoli bowl. And so we get there and he comes out. And he's like, um, someone took our food. What? And I, I was like, okay. He's like, they're going to make the mac and cheese. And so then he goes back in and he comes back out and he's like, they're out of the chicken and broccoli bowl oh my and i was like God. of course of course they are like it was like they're not out of your food or the kids food just my food he's like yeah just your food and i was like okay cool <laughs> just my food so i get soup <laughs> <laughs> after all of that just get some like hot water food <laughs> and <laughs> And then we get in the car and he's like, but we like don't have anything to make margaritas at the house. And so we like on the, it's on the way home. So we're not like stopping at all these random places. So we just like pull into the parking lot at ABC and it's closed. It had closed five minutes before. And I was like, cool, classic, whatever. I don't care. So then we keep driving and he's like, why don't we just get you like a nice bottle of wine? There's like a little like store right before you turn into our house. And I was like, that sounds nice. We pull in and he's like, they don't have any wine. Oh my gosh. And I was Megan. like, cool, whatever. And this is just, this is the way my life works. So. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I wasn't even surprised. He walked back out. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'm just going to eat my hot water and go to sleep. <laughs> I had a strong feeling you were coming out empty handed at this point. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Classic, classic so. Megan travel story. Yeah. So anyway, let's go to bed. Yeah, let's yeah, let's just be done here. Let's be done with this. All right. Okay. So I get to finish. Yeah, this. you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. It's my turn. Thank you for listening to Montessori Moms in the Wild. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us, subscribe, review, and rate. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Google, and iHeartRadio. You can follow us on Instagram. I was just thinking like I'm doing so well and that thought <laughs> really <laughs> and that thought gave me a little bit of a giggle <laughs> I was also sitting here like god she is doing so well I know. my thought was like wow I'm really crushing this yeah if you're new here the outro is Megan's forte and by forte I mean it takes 45 minutes to wrap up the show because she just falls down the stairs every I mean, single this time point in the editing process Laura doesn't care anymore and nope, she's like I'm I don't keep, even cut it I'm keeping all of it so also to be fair you don't always go back and redo it so you don't give me an option a lot of times at this point in the night you're done and you're I that's done. the take that I have to work with so I don't even know where I was and I don't think you can care. follow can us on Instagram us. <laughs> <laughs> just email us sorry moms in the wild at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you until next time stay wild <laughs> perfect <laughs>